of the things that's been exciting over the last few months and it's been a reassuring thing is, is the people that God has been bringing in to be part of this church community. And he's brought many experienced Christian leaders to, to be part of this community. And whenever you, you see a pattern like that, you know God's preparing you for something and he's putting in place experience and insight and wisdom because God wants to build something. And, and I'm really convinced that we're on the precipice of a, a, a new beginning. And uh, that's why we're starting a new series called New Beginnings. Part of that is, is resolving some of our the, the residual issues that we've had from the, the transitions of the last few years. One of you or most of you will know now, that we're, we've got a gift day coming up in three weeks' time. And that gift day is very important. Uh, we, we have it every year. And, uh, but this year is particularly important because we are actually trying to work through the consequences of the last two or three years and, and the challenge that has been to our finances. And if you were at the gathering last week, you'll know that the significant challenge that we face. And really, there's two things that we're asking the congregation to do, and it's the congregation. So if you're not part of the congregation, you can ignore this bit. But, well, actually, no, you can't. First bit you need to listen to. The first bit is if you're a committee Christian, it, you, we are called to practice the discipline of giving. We're called to practice the discipline of giving. And, and I would ask you all to review the discipline of giving. So look at your life and say, you know, how, how are things being divvied up? Uh, I remember teaching my children, you know, there are three things that you should do with your money. The, the first one is you should spend some. They always liked that. And uh, you should save some. They weren't so keen on that. And you should give some away. And they definitely weren't keen on that. But those are the three things that we should be doing. And, and it's important to look at your finances and, and to do this annually. And we, we kind of do it with the tax year for a deliberate reason. But actually to just take time and say, you know, how am I using my money? Are there lots of subscriptions that I have that I don't really need? And, and I can cut some of these. Or are there other things where I'm spending money that I don't, shouldn't be spending? And are there other areas that I should be utilizing my money for? And what things am I supporting with those things? A basic discipline. All of us as Christians are called to exercise that discipline. So I invite the church to review. The other thing is to be open to what God's spirit is saying. We, we saw a couple of weeks ago as we looked at the passage in Corinthians uh, that Paul says, look, it's about being open to the spirit of God and being responsive to him. And so it's really pretty simple. Practice the discipline of giving and be responsive to the spirit. I believe if we do that as a church, we're going to be okay. And, uh, and, and that's the two things I ask you to do as we go towards the gift day and make some time to do it. Because being responsive to God's spirit is so important. It's that responsiveness to God's spirit that actually brings us in to those places of new beginnings. And, uh, and as we, we start into or move towards Easter, we've chosen this theme of new beginnings to sort of focus our thinking. Uh, normally when we, when we look at uh, Easter and this lead into Easter, we, we go to the Gospels and we do some stories relating to Jesus. But we've decided to do it slightly differently this year. 
and actually begin to look right back into the Old Testament and look at some of the stories of new beginnings that were leading towards the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and beginning to think about how God's redemptive purposes began way back and how God was preparing the people for a new thing. So we thought we'd start with Abraham and uh, look at some of the stories in Genesis of individuals who had new beginnings. I've entitled this talk, The Undiscovered Country. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll know that's a Star Trek movie. How many people, by the way, knew that? Okay, there are a few Trekkies, good, reassuring. <laughs> Makes me not feel too odd. And, uh, and it's all about the undiscovered country is about the future. It's about what God is wanting to bring us into. And here we have Abram, who's at this point where he's sort of looking to the future. And we're told in, in the passage we read in Genesis that he's 75 years of age. And the writer to the Hebrews doesn't do him any favors because he describes him as half dead. <laughs> 75 years of age and half dead. You know, I, I really wouldn't want him in my encouragement group, the writer to Hebrews. You're past it. And, and, you know, maybe humanly speaking, you would look at it and you would say, things aren't great here. He was childless. He was advanced in years. He should be thinking about security and probably drawing his pension and a quiet life. And suddenly into the midst of this, into this person who has no rights being at the forefront of a new beginning, God speaks and he says, Abraham, I'm going to use you to bring about a new thing. Although you're in this place, I want you to understand that when faith is, a, is united with our lives and our experience, God does new things. And Abraham, I'm going to demonstrate this in you. And, and, and what was birthed here in Genesis chapter 12 is one of the most amazing histories, one of the most amazing stories of history. Because to this day, four and a half billion people on our planet look to Abraham as the father of their faith. A 75-year-old who was half dead. And now four and a half billion people look to him as the father of their faith. Think about it. That's what God does when faith is present. And it begins with God speaking. And we're told, now the Lord said to Abraham, and uh, you'll, you'll notice, I'm going to use the name Abraham because it's too hard to say Abram. <laughs> but but uh, he wasn't called Abraham at this point because he hasn't got his new identity yet. He's not sure about that identity. And, and God speaks to him. And, and he says, and, and he speaks to him in a very interesting way because he speaks to him not in a religious place. In fact, the, uh, we're told in Joshua, the book of Joshua, that, the, that, the, that Abraham actually probably was worshipping false idols. He, 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 he didn't have the worship of the one true God yet. And yet God speaks to him. And he speaks to him not in a religious place. And, and as God speaks to Abraham not in a religious place, he's intimating that this God is different. You see, in the ancient world that Abraham was part of, which was probably almost 2,000 years before Christ came, 
The gods were only seen to reside in sacred places and temples and holy sites and shrines and altars. And, and this God was different because this God didn't begin in those places. This God was not discovered in these places. This God speaks in surprising places. This God doesn't need holy sites, temples, or rituals. This God speaks to anybody, anywhere, anytime, and starts something new. And that verse in Genesis 12 is intimating the way that God does new things in surprising ways. And what does he say to, to Abraham? He says to him, I am with you. I will watch over you. I will not leave you. And I'm going to bring you into a new land and a new experience because I have a purpose for you. Here he is. Someone that should be thinking about ending the years of his life in security, safe, maybe looking after his grandkids, and that's kind of the extent of it. And God says, no, I have a purpose for you, and this purpose is going to begin something brand new. It's going to begin the redemption of humanity. It's going to start with what I'm about to do in your life. And it's an amazing promise. You see, the thing is, as we move forward as individuals, as we move forward as a church, God wants to say the same things to us. I am with you. And, and we actually see uh, Abraham leaving his country. If we can go back to the journey, actually. Can we go back to the earlier slide? Thanks. And uh, it's not very clear on here, but, but there are three roads that, that take place through through uh, Israel, or, or actually across into Jordan, and there were three ways that you could travel south. One was called the Way of the Sea, and it went by the Mediterranean on the left. The other one was called the Way, the King's Highway, and that went through Jordan and uh, followed down the, the hills that marked Jordan. But there was a third way, which was the hill country of Judea and Samaria, and it cut the land in two. And it is on that journey, and it's called the way of the patriarchs to this day. It was that road that became really significant for Abraham because he was invited to travel that road. And he was going to travel that road, and he was going to discover that this God who had said, I am going to be with you, and I am going to take you to this new place, and I have a future for you. He was going to discover as he traveled this journey that this God was going to be his God, and he will be my God. And actually, the, the story tells us that he traveled to a place called Shechem, and I uh, have a good friend who lives about 100 yards from uh, this, this very site. It overlooks the great gates of this city, the ancient city of Shechem that Abraham would have walked through. And we're told that he built an altar there. And, and, and he built an altar, and, uh, and I imagine his kids and his family were probably kind of looking, and, uh, or his relatives were looking and saying, what are you doing? And he's saying, I'm acknowledging that my God has come through. He then goes to a place called Bethel, which means house of God. And he finds himself in this place where he finds that God has been true to his promises. He's fulfilled his purposes for him as he's gone into 
that future. And, and it's amazing to get there. I was um, uh, at a conference yesterday in Edinburgh, and it was right next to where I went to university. And uh, I don't know if you keep junk like I keep junk, but I have my matriculation card from, I won't tell you when, but it was a few years ago. And, uh, and uh, I'm much younger looking, by the way. Not that much younger you're looking. But, but you know, and I've kept it. And, and I've got photographs from that time, and I've kept it. And, and, and you know, if you look at it, you, you can say, well, what's that about? And I can say, well, it's a time that reminds me of something. And if you begin to talk about it, you'll say it reminds me about relationships. It reminds me about an identity. It reminds me about things that were influences and that shaped me. And as Abraham builds this altar, he's affirming the same thing. That this God, this God of new beginnings has been true to his promises. And he's brought me into a new relationship. But to move into that new beginning was not going to be easy. The, the, the journey that we see Abraham taking, we, it would be brilliant if new beginnings were just so simple. But we see in this passage that it begins with the call of God, and then Abraham is obedient to that call. The writer to the Hebrews again brings this out. Abraham was obedient. God spoke, and he had to be obedient to it. You know, it's sometimes hard to be obedient to the promptings of God. And sometimes God tells you to do things. Again, I remember when uh, I was a young man and I left school. And uh, I, I felt God saying I should go into mission. But it was going to cost because I was going to have to leave. I had a really nice life. I had a great set of friends. I liked Scotland, surprisingly. And, uh, and I was going to leave all that behind and go to an unknown place. And I remember, and I'll show you how long ago, we flew out transatlantic at a Presswick airport. And, uh, and I, I remember flying out on a Laker jet. They went bust that week. Anyway, that, <laughs> to, to America. And I remember flying out and going, God, where are you taking me? What? In fact, I remember sitting there thinking as I took off, I don't really want to be on this flight. I don't really want to be doing this because I was happy. I was secure. My life was good where I was. But I felt the prompting of God. And I had responded to that. Now, that was difficult because I didn't know what the future would hold. What transpired was really formative in terms of who I was and the experiences that were built into my life. But it required that I was obedient, that I responded to the promptings of God, that I just didn't say, hey, I'm really secure where I am. I'm really happy where I am. Please don't disrupt things. It required obedience to God's promptings. And, and for, for Abraham, this obedience was really difficult because it required that he gave up his identity. You know, when it talks about leave your relatives and your family and everything, we, we think, oh, that's just like moving to London for a job. <laughs> but it's not. What that's actually saying is that, Abraham, I want to give up everything that makes you who you are. I want you to give up everything that defines your security and your identity. I want you to open your identity to a new possibility, a possibility that I will take you to. And actually, if you're 75 years of age and you're half dead, 
to suddenly be confronted with give up everything that you are, give up your identity, give up your family, and give up your security, and follow this random God that I know very little about, and be obedient to, is a big call. Abraham did it. The writer to the Hebrews identifies his obedience as the key moment for the new thing to begin. If we're going to enter into a new thing that God wants to do in our lives, we have to be obedient to his promptings. Now, as you read on, you'll discover that it wasn't all plain sailing. The Bible stories don't run like Hollywood movies. It would be great if we, we, we kind of heard that uh, Abraham responds to God and then everything goes great and his life is just brilliant and it's fulfilled and he has blessing and everything. But that's not actually what happens. You, we discover that the, there's struggle, there's perplexity. In actual fact, as you read on, you'll discover that in chapter 13, in chapter 15, in chapter 17, in chapter 22, that actually Abraham keeps coming back to God and saying, God, what are we doing here? And, and you all know that Abraham actually totally lost it and ended up having a baby with Hagar rather than Sarah because he didn't think God would deliver. There was an awful lot of perplexities in there. But what happens in the story is that God brings his comfort. And then Abraham recognizes that God has been faithful to him. And that's how the story of redemption begins. You know, a story that is an innocuous journey, but involves risk and sacrifice. And, and I, I don't believe God will do a new thing within us unless we're willing to break with the past and begin a new life under his direction. I don't believe God will do a new thing unless we are responsive to his promptings. And again, I, I, I speak to the older folks here. Um, it, it's easier if you're younger, generally, to be responsive to promptings because you've not got that much to lose. So. But as you get older, there's, there's more to lose. And it's harder to be responsive to God. We're more set in our ways. We like things in a particular way. But God speaks and risk comes. And then God says, are you willing to take the risk to do a new thing, to be part of a new beginning? The story of redemption is Abraham being obedient to that call and responding to it. God then makes this promise to him. And he says to Abraham, he says, if you do this, I will make you a, into a great nation. I will make your name great and I will bless you so that you can bless others. He promises Abraham this amazing thing, this thing that for Abraham must have just seen completely unrealistically, unrealistic, humanly speaking. And, and, and he wanted Abraham to understand that what he was calling him to was something that only God could do. Only God could do. One of the things that people have said about the journey of this church is that maybe it's been a little bit too comfortable at points in the past. And that actually we haven't gone to places where only if God comes through, will it actually happen. And maybe there's been an element of challenge in recent times to be dependent on God. One of the things I'm loving is our 9.30 prayer meeting. We're only two weeks into it. But it's just great to come and pray and say, God, work in the service. 
And, you know, you prepare your sermons, you prepare your music and things, but then we pray and we say, God, let it be dependent on you and your work. And, and Abraham was promised something that only God could be dependent on. And then he said, God says to him, I will bless you so that you can bless others. Here he is, 75 years of age, and God says to him, I'm going to bless you. Now, we love that. Great. I'm going to get blessed. That's brilliant. And uh, I want to be in that place of blessing. And, and that's brilliant. But, but then he says, so that you can be a blessing. He's not saying to Abraham, here's your retirement. Here's your pension. Here's your... He's saying to Abraham, I am going to bless you so that you can bless. I've, I've reached that age. Well, I haven't, but some of my friends have, where they're retiring, shockingly. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, discussing their lives. And, and it's good that people are able to retire these days. But the, it raises interesting questions about what does retirement look for, like for Christians? Well, it requires me to go off to the sun and lie there by a pool, kind of chill and, you know, play a little bit of golf, get my handicap down and things like that. I, I just want you to know that the Bible has no place where it conceives of retirement in those terms. It says if God has blessed you in your life, if you've been blessed with skills, if you've been blessed with prosperity, if you've been blessed with uh, wisdom or ability, God continues to call you to use those skills to bless others. And that all of us are called into that place. God wants to bless us so that we can bless others. And the way that he moves us into a new thing is that he pours out his blessing through his Holy Spirit. And then he says, now go and bless others. Do you know, I believe there is a future in SBC. It's great to have a full church. I know that it means... I better not talk about a second service, but anyway, good to have, a, we've got another messy church going on up at the Haven, which is great as well, so there's lots happening, and it's great to have that, but you know what, God's not interested in blessing SBC so that we can just feel blessed, that we can just have a full church, that we can just pay our bills, um, that we can have nice buildings, God's not interested in that, and the new beginning to which he calls us is not ultimately about that. It's about being blessed by God in order to be a blessing, in order to see transformation in the lives of our families and friends, in order to see transformation in the life of our community, maybe to see transformation in some people in our church have actually been influential in national things, to see transformation in our nation. God is bringing us into a new beginning where we will be called where we will be blessed, but we will be blessed to be called to be a blessing. Let's be that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Abraham. We thank you for his faith and the way in which he was willing to give up his security, for the way in which he was willing to trust you and respond to the voice of your spirit so that he could enter into a new thing. Lord, I pray for us as individuals and as a church community. I pray that we would be marked by that same responsiveness to the voice of the Spirit, that we would be truly obedient to what you are calling us to so that we can experience and know your blessing and in turn be a blessing to others. 
Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen.